From Mountain Home to Raft River, we've got all the District 4 analysis you'll need to know. This is the Magic Valley PrepCast with Scott Burton. That's right. Welcome into another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. We're breaking down everything going on in District 4. Brandon Bainey with Scott Burton. Scott, what's going on? Hey, how we doing, Brandon? Looks like uh, baseball is finally over. I can put my Dodgers to bed. And uh, congratulations to the Braves who captured the uh, title last night. I'm pretty sure everybody outside of the Houston metro area was rooting for Atlanta in that World Series. Oh, you're not kidding. I mean, there's so many things that played into that. It's so much fun. I mean, I'm a Dodger guy, so I, you know, I hate the cheating Astros to begin with. But, uh, you know, having the All-Star game ripped out of Atlanta, you know, just to make a political statement and then have Atlanta host the World Series and all the stuff it did to their businesses, you know, it's just kind of a little bit of karma. So, you know, good for the Braves. Absolutely. Good for the Braves and good for Twin Falls High for the second week in a row, Scott, here on the Magic Valley PrepCast. We're going to bat lead off talking about a Twin Falls girls athletic program that's bringing home a state championship, this time in volleyball. How cool is that? Wow. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, you, you get these classes that come through schools and they just they just get things done. You know, uh, we talked about, you know, Twin Falls girls soccer winning their first state title. We Now we're going to talk about Twin Falls volleyball winning their first state title. And, uh, you know, I, I had an opportunity to visit with Coach Hawkins this week. And and, uh, you know, she told me that after, you know, the first time that she was in the gym with these kids, she knew she had something special. You know, uh, they the one thing about this group of girls at Twin is is that they really kind of cared about each other and they, they fostered those relationships um, and they became great teammates. And and it's ironic, too, because as we talked about this, I was just up in Boise giving a, a talk to a team and coaches about how to build a winning culture, um, just kind of one of my other side hustles that I do. And and I was up there talking about. You know, you know, if, if you want to create something, then here are the steps to do it. And one of those steps was about relationships. And and here we come, Twin Falls saying, you know what? Hey, this is what we're doing. Well, there's something to be said about that. And so the culture was there this year for, you know, the Twin Falls Bruins. And, you know, they they did kind of go through their struggles this year. I mean, Brindley Hansen, who was just an absolute beast this year, uh, she got hurt you know, late in the season, you know, and she was out for some conference games and, you know, it gave, you know, some of those other kids an opportunity to step up. And and sometimes that's what you need because you rely on somebody like Hanson all season long. If she goes down, what are you going to do? You have not been challenged in that respect before. Well, they got challenged, I think at the exact right time that they needed it. And, um, and when, you know, Brindley came back, she struggled a little bit just to kind of get her timing back but it all started to come together in the district tournament. And, you know, all the talk had been about Wood River, you know, Wood River undefeated, Wood River, Wood River, number one, number one. Then all of a sudden they just buckled and not sure exactly what, what happened to them, but they, they just, I don't know, they just underperformed. And, and I'm sure there's things going on there, but Twin Falls had a lot to do with that, you know? So they went through the district tournament, you know, they beat Burley after splitting with them throughout the regular season. Uh, and then they went to Wood River. And this is where Wood River's downfall started. I don't know if they just ever didn't recover from this. 
um, or they had other factors going on. But Twin Falls goes up and beats Wood River uh, in five, you know, and, and at that point, Wood River was 10 and 0. And so all of the momentum just swung to the Bruins and they head into the state tournament where they beat Century, who, you know, if you follow volleyball in Idaho, Century is, is a premier program. You know, they had that run of state titles for a long, long time. So, I mean, they still have a history there, uh, but they got by Century. Uh, they played Bonneville and um, came out slow, but eventually got through them. And then here they are facing Wood River again, and they just dominated them. And Wood River just couldn't get over that hangover. And so and, and Wood, Wood River ended up falling uh, later that day in another match as well. But um, then they got to Bonneville again, you know, for the title game. And boy, what a five set thriller that was. Uh, I remember watching that one um, online and it was, man, it was just exciting to watch. And, you know, you talk about uh, Brindley Hansen, who's kind of been the, the heart and soul of this team. She averaged 20 kills and 10 digs per game, ending with 30 kills in the state championship game. You know, uh, I mean, making history for Twin Falls along with the girls soccer Man, boy, what a year for the uh, ladies at Twin Falls High School. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, building a winning athletic program, right? Uh, Ted Reynolds was the longtime AD at Twin Falls, and then he left, and Nancy Jones held the position for a year, and now Sean Walker is the new AD at Twin Falls this year, and they've, they've kind of got it stabilized, and they've got, they've I mean, athletically across the board, right? Their football team made the playoffs. Boys soccer was really good. I think just overall athletics at Twin Falls High is, is really high right now. Yeah, you know, and, and like I said, you get these classes that just come in. The whole cycle ebbs and flows. I mean, you're going to get Twin Falls. Uh, you're going to get other schools that are just at the top of their game because they've got good kids coming in, and then those kids are going to go, and then you're going to you're going to hit a valley until another group comes in. You know, you just and, and and a lot of times people don't understand. Well, why isn't that always a winning program? Well, we're subject to the kids that come in. You know, it's not like we're out recruiting. Oh, don't get me started there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's different. And right now, Twin has got some really good kids coming through their system. Absolutely. And we should mention Wood River had a fantastic volleyball season as well, a top four finish and didn't end the way they wanted it to. But man, it was fun to watch them all season long as well. Yeah, it, it was. And I, and I don't mean to, to kind of bash on them at all. It's just you know, they had a lot of high expectations and uh, and they had such a great season. And when we previewed them and talked about them in podcast prior and, you know, it doesn't take away from anything that they were able to accomplish, you know, hats off to them as well for, for a great, great season. And, and they're going to have more seasons because Wood River is just a really good program. Yep. So from uh, Twin Falls Volleyball, let's transition to it was also state cross country this past week over at Eagle Island Park in the Treasure Valley. And uh, we didn't have any team champions emerge from the Magic Valley, but we did have an individual champion, uh, Allie Black from Raft River High winning the 1A girls title. Yeah, this is kind of a, a cool little story, too, because, you know, Allie is uh, just one of those all-American kids, you know, just good old farm country stock and just runs and uh, doesn't make excuses. I mean, she comes from a family of four kids, three older brothers. She's the baby, you know, so she had to kind of grow up tough a little bit. I mean, she lives on a cattle ranch uh, and during the summer, you know, she would run, put her miles in 
on a path that she created that was kind of centered around all the pivots in the field, you know, and usually she'd have uh, one of her family members follow her on a bike or a four wheeler or something just to you know, have her make her loop. And that's how she got her miles in, you know, and this is a kid that is obviously a hardworking kid. She gets excellent grades, um, you know, but her, her journey to cross country was, it is kind of funny. And it's, and it's a cool little story too, because she started running her freshman year. And uh, she was persuaded by her friends, twins, the twins, uh, Cabri and Carly Christensen. And so um, they got her to run and she never missed a practice to work out. She never complains, uh, never does things halfway. And her freshman year, she placed third at state behind Cabri and Carly Christensen. Right. OK, so, you know, they talk about. um this when she first started running the twins would kind of coax her to get her running a little bit and, you know she'd follow them the first few weeks and they, they still tell this story a little bit it was about the first time they ran four miles and uh, the twins stayed right with her kept telling her you can do this you can do this you can do this for freshman year and they finished and they kept pushing her and, and they when they got done they just said hey see you made it it wasn't so bad and and to which uh ally replied that was awful. And I never want to do it again, you know? And so, but it was the twins that just kept pushing her and pushing her. And, uh, and, and here we are. And kind of a cool little thing is now roles are reversed because it's now Allie is helping Ashley Christensen, uh, the coach's daughter in that exact same way. And so it's like a torch being passed down and a cool little story in a small town. But another thing about Allie really quick is she's one of the most humble kids that you'll meet because, you know, not only did she place first, she set the new course record at Eagle Island for the 1A division, and she didn't even tell her parents. And she didn't want that kind of, you know, notoriety or that publicity. She didn't want the attention, you know. Um, in fact, it was her coach that made her put state champion on her sweatshirt because she wasn't going to do it. You know, that's just the kind of kid that she is. And it's really kind of one of those coaches' dreams, you know, a hardworking kid, a humble, no excuses. And, uh, you know, and a state championship for a kid who deserves it, Allie Black. Yeah, what an awesome story. I mean, four years ago, Raff River didn't even have a cross-country program, right? It was it was started by the Christensen twins, uh, Cabri and Carly, because they wanted to run cross-country. And so they said, well we need enough to field the team. So you're going to have to go find some other people to run besides just the two of you. And now like it's almost a, a mini dynasty at Rap River, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's funny how those things start in small towns and all it takes is just a couple of kids to, to get it going. And then when you've got brothers and sisters that just keep coming, that legacy is just going to get stronger. And, and it, that's exactly what's happened in Rap River. And so hopefully they can keep that going. Yeah, Cabri and Carly Christensen are both running at Utah State now collegiately uh, for one of our cross-country races we broadcast earlier this year on IdahoSports.com. I got to do a quick video interview with with the Christensen twins, and that was a lot of fun. They, they're having a lot of fun at college and, and continuing to perform well. So, Good. yeah, it's, it's really nice to see that Raft River tradition continue. Uh, speaking of Raft River, their football team is finally going to be back in action after a first-round bye as we get into the quarterfinals of the 4A, 3A, 2A, 1A postseason. And, man, there were some – before we can talk about the quarterfinals, though, we got to revisit some of these wild first-round games, especially 
in, in the 4A ranks especially. So uh, let's take a break. We'll, we'll hear from our sponsor, the Idaho Division of Public Health, and then we'll come back and dive into these football brackets. So hang tight. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. It's time to start planning for back to school. That's why I got my kids vaccinated for COVID-19. Kids 12 and older can get vaccinated. The vaccines have been researched and tested. They're safe and they work. And I hope everyone will choose to get vaccinated too. Back on the uh, Magic Valley PrepCast, IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey with Scott Burton as we transition now to what happened on the football field this past week in the opening round of the playoffs. And the, I think the conversation has to start, Scott, at the 4A level. And with Minico uh, losing for the first time all year to Valley View, 28-12 to in a first-round upset. Yeah, boy. I mean, that was a shocker when you talk about the 14th seed getting a win on the road. I mean, it opens up a lot of questions. And and for Minico, you just, gosh, you just feel like their heart got ripped out and the pit of their stomach just sank because, I mean, they were just cruising, having this great season undefeated. And, you know, their prolific rushing attack is held to 92 yards total. I mean, Valley View had something planned and they had it planned right. But, you know, we, we, we had talked about this a little bit as well. You know, if Minico ran into a situation where their running game wasn't working, are they able to throw the football? And the answer all season's been no. They just can't throw the ball. And they were forced into a situation to where they had to throw the football. And they just they just couldn't do it. And defensively, they gave up 28 points. Um, but, you know, for Minico, gosh, you can't take away – you know, what they were able to accomplish this season, a great Basin championship, but it just came crashing down on them uh, last week. And boy, just kind of a sickening feeling in Minico. Yeah, you mentioned uh, surprising that they weren't able to get to 100 yards rushing. I think the most surprising thing to me was the 28 points they allowed because their defense has been so solid all year long and a bad time to have a bad night. And the thing about Minico is, though, uh, they've got a lot of really talented juniors that will be back next year, and this is going to fuel them, right? Well, you hope so. I mean, this could go one of two ways. I mean, you know, winning breeds winning. But at the same time, if you have a good core, then a disappointment like this might create a, a hunger, you know. So it's going to be in how the coaches sell it. But, you know, you know, Coach McCaffrey over there is doing a fantastic job, and and I know he'll sell it the right way to his kids and you haven't heard the last of Minico. Like you said, they've got a strong returning class and they're going to be buying for another district title next year. Absolutely. Well, it was a rough night overall for the Great Basin Conference as the three playoff teams all went 0-3. Twin Falls had to travel to Bishop Kelly uh, to play the Knights. They lost 49-21. to BK is on fire right now. I, if I'm Pocatello this week hosting BK, I'm, I'm worried. Yeah, you know, BK is, is BK, you know. Um, we could have an entire podcast over Bishop Kelly and and kind of the makeup of their school and how they maximize 98% of their people in extracurriculars or whatever it is. I mean, they are just a different animal because they just have that those kids, you know. Um, but this game with Twin Falls was, you know, it was close in the first half. I mean, it was back and forth and 28-14 at the half. So it was anybody's, you know, game at that point. But you know, Bishop Kelly just kind of flexed their muscle and and uh, showed why they are one of the 4A powerhouses. And, you know, they finished with the, you know, Hadley Smith, their quarterback, 227 yards, three touchdowns. Um, 
you know, their stud running back, 26 carries, 196 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Jason Buss, wide out, 118 yards, two touchdowns. So, I mean, they, they, they've got a, a really good group of three solid skilled players. They can do it, you know, with the quarterback, the running back, and the receiver. Um, and then, you know, you factor in Bishop Kelly defensively is, is really, really good. Um, but they're, they're going to have a, a, a test in front of them with, with uh, Pocatello coming up. That should be a really good game, I think, because, you know, Pocatello is big up front on both sides of the ball. You know, defensively, they've got great linebackers, Pocatello does, that fly to the ball, they plug holes, um, and their D-line is aggressive. And their defensive backs don't give up a lot of, you know, big plays. You know, um, and Pocatello's got a very quick running back that can make guys miss and good receivers that can make you pay. So, you know, that's going to be a really good game, Bishop Kelly and Pocatello next week, or this week, rather. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic quarterfinal matchup. Uh, Mountain Home had the toughest draw of anybody, 16 seed overall, had to go all the way up north to Sandpoint to play the top-ranked Bulldogs, and uh, they get shut out 46 to nothing. This was a Mountain Home season that started with progress, but kind of like last year, injuries really derailed this team uh, to the point where they were kind of limping across the finish line. Yeah, you know, and, and poor Mountain Home, I mean, they drive all that way just to get blitz 46 nothing all 46 of those points coming in the first half you know and and that you know sandpoint takes foot off the gas and then that's the end of it um but you know it you're right mountain home started promising but you know the great basin this year was just kind of not very strong i mean let's be honest it just really wasn't a very good conference this year you know we had minico who did really well twin who did well and then everybody else bleh. there was nothing underneath those two and so when you talk about Minico and Twin, I mean, they didn't get challenged in their conference. And now they're expected to step outside and play Bishop Kelly and Sandpoint and, and, and try to keep it close. It's not going to happen until the Great Basin Conference football wise is strong from top to bottom. This is what's going to happen. And that's kind of why Mountain Home was in there. You know, I mean, Mountain Home finishes with a record of three and seven and they made the playoffs. Well, that's because the Great Basin Conference this year was not very good. And, and I, I, you know, that's just the way it is. That's the truth. And uh, until it gets stronger, we're not going to have these teams advance very far. Yeah, let me ask you about that because you are the athletic director at Jerome. You you know the Great Basin well, obviously. This is the second year in a row this has happened, where last year Jerome – Minico and Twin all lost in the opening round. So what I hear from fans in other parts of the state is, why does the Great Basin get so many teams in? Maybe can you talk about that a little bit? It, it is a seven-team conference, but I think there are questions from fans in other parts of the state. Well, you know, I mean, when you talk about conferences and, and big conferences, I mean, every conference needs representation, you know, and that's the way it's going to be. Now, that's not to say that, you know, one of these years and years – that we had in the past that we haven't had great representation. You know, I mean, we, we've had teams go deep into the playoffs. Um, it's just a, a different animal down here sometimes. And, but I, you can't take away the representation of the great base and they deserve it. But if they want to advance, they've got to get better, you know, as a conference in football, they've got to get better. I mean, right now we're experiencing things, and, and I know this is statewide, but I can only speak to the Great Basin is just, I mean, we're having teams that can't field three teams anymore, you know, and we have a varsity and a C team. That's it. 
That's where all the kids that are coming out. And so with this dynamic that is starting to be a, kind of a pandemic in a way, uh, it's affecting a lot of programs, not just the Great Basin, but we're seeing it here. And so that competitiveness that that conference needs is not happening right now. And that is going to have to change for this conference to advance further into the playoffs. It doesn't mean you take away its representation. It just means as a conference, they've got to get better. But we got to do it by getting kids out. And I know that that's a problem statewide as well. Yeah, it's so surprising because in, in every other sport we've talked about, soccer, volleyball, even when we go into basketball season, the Great Basin is very competitive at, at the state level. But it's just for football, for whatever reason, they're just not quite there yet. But we'll see. Yeah, hopefully that starts to change, but it's a trend that's trending downward at the moment. Sure. Well, let's move on to the 3A ranks where uh, Buell was competing in the playoffs. Kind of kind of the feel-good story of the year, I think, in the Magic Valley. We talked about it last week with Coach Allen Reynolds, and uh, they they walked into a buzzsaw. I mean, they, they got the lowest seed possible of the teams that were seeded in the first round of the 3A playoffs. Had to go play Weezer, which is a legitimate 3A title contender, uh, and they lose 62 to 20. But overall, I thought a banner year for Buell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. It doesn't matter <clears throat> what was going to happen in this Weezer game. The fact that Buell got there was huge for that community and huge for that program that was coming out of just an, an awful time. And Coach Reynolds returning home where his roots are getting his his team to win some games and and know what it feels like to win some games because that's something Buell just hadn't had you know I mean they were just a doormat for a lot of teams and I mean they were the ones that played the most homecoming games if you know what I'm saying uh, because you know Buell just wasn't going to be competitive well coach Reynolds changed that and got him to the playoffs in his first year so regardless of what happened with Weezer this was a, a, a successful year that's going to pay some dividends for Buell down the road. It's going to get people excited about football and Buell again. I think that league overall with Gooding, Kimberly, Buell, and Filer, all four teams I thought had outstanding seasons. Uh, Gooding is still playing, of course, and uh, I think that race next year is going to be really fun to watch. That conference is going to be tough. Oh, it, it, absolutely. It's just been Gooding and, and uh, Kimberly all these years. you know. But now all of a sudden with the emergence of Filer, um, and now Buell? Are you kidding me? So you've got four teams that really can get after each other. Um, they still have got a ways to go to close the gap with Gooding um, right now. But it's great to see. That's that's what we're missing when I talked about the Great Basin a minute ago, is those four teams in that conference, uh, they're going to beat each other up and they're going to compete with each other. You know, And that's what a conference needs to make themselves better. Absolutely. Well, let's take a look at that 3A bracket real quick. We'll put it up on the screen here. So if you're watching the video on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel or Facebook page, you'll be able to see it. Uh, if you're just listening to the audio only on IdahoSports.com or wherever you download your podcast, that's all right. You can still follow along with the bracket. We've got all the brackets on our homepage, IdahoSports.com. So if we look at this 3A bracket now, Gooding is the number two seed overall. They will actually play another district champion in Timberlake, the champions from up north in District 1. Uh, Timberlake really likes to run the football. They've got that wing T-based attack, but I think Gooding here um, should have no problem advancing. No, Gooding is, you know, getting a, a, a pretty good draw. They're, they're big enough up front that they can handle, you know, a running game. Um, I'm going to be calling that game 
for Idaho sports. So make sure you tune in to that one. Uh, Paul and I are headed to, to Gooding, but I, I see Gooding advancing and that semifinal, if Weezer gets through snake, that should be a pretty interesting game. Yeah, that'll be a really fun game to watch. I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting uh, because Gooding, you know, had the week off. Weezer had to play right away. So does that give them a little more momentum? I'm not sure. And and that that matchup would be about as even as it could be across the board. A lot of years, Gooding Weezer could be a state championship matchup, right? It just yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's some teams that you look up and down this three A bracket that that really kind of gets your attention a little bit. I mean, on the bottom side, obviously Gooding and Weezer, but on the top side, I mean, obviously number one, Homedale and number four, Sugar. You know, you can't, you can't turn your back on Sugar for one second at anything. Um, so, I mean, I look at those four teams and if I'm prognosticating, it's going to be Homedale and Sugar, Gooding and Weezer. And then I see Homedale and Gooding in the state title game. I, I see it going chalk, but I also see it a very good tournament. Yeah, that that really the top five, I think, are all really, really solid in 3A this year. So we'll see how Gooding will do Friday night, 6 o'clock in Gooding. Scott, as you said, you're going to be on the call for that game with Paul Kingsbury on IdahoSports.com. If you want to see the full schedule of games we're doing, we got to about 85% of the quarterfinal games covered because there's still, you know, 24 games going on around the state it's just impossible to get to all of them but we got a good chunk of them and you can see all of the games that we will be broadcasting by clicking on the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com the 2a bracket real quick we'll take a look Declo had a first round bye and i think boy they're into a tough matchup i think they got seated kind of low you know i look at Declo as a number six seed I think they should at least be five. Bear Lake, I think, has no business being the fourth seed overall. They're, they're a little overinflated because they're Max Prep ranking. That's neither here nor there. So Declo now has to play Firth, the runner-up from a year ago, in Holt Arena Friday night at 8.15. This will be a tough matchup, but a winnable one for Declo. It is. you know, I think, And I agree with you. I think Declo should be ranked a little bit higher than that, which means that that sixth uh, ranking is probably not indicative of how good Declo is. Um, but it's on the turf at Holt Arena. Um, Declo is ground and pound. It, it, it's going to be a tough draw with Firth, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a winnable game. I see Nampa Christian and Bear Lake being one of those games that uh, maybe Nampa Christian pulls an upset. Um, I, I don't know. I, th- this this side of the bracket is is really really tough. I mean, West Side on the top having a great year. Uh, North Fremont, the Huskies have, have really become a, a nice two-way powerhouse over the last few years. And um, it, it's going to be fun to watch. I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how this bracket shapes up because really I don't have any any idea. Yeah, it, it is kind of a free-for-all. I really do think uh, five or six teams in this bracket uh, really have a chance. So uh, the big key for Declo in this matchup is going to be, can they contain Firth's explosive defensive line? That's really where Firth's strength is. And if they can run the ball against a really good defensive line, yeah, Declo is going to be right in it. So yeah, and- Absolutely. It's going to be strength versus strength in that, in that respect. I mean, Declo's running game versus Firth's strong defensive front. And, uh, that's going to be a, a fun one to watch. Yeah, Firth had to play last week in the opening round over Aberdeen and started really slow. I mean, they didn't really score all their points until the third and fourth quarter, so they cannot do that again against the Declo team that will make them pay. If we look at the 1AD1 bracket, uh, you'll see that Oakley had a first-round victory over Wallace. Nothing too surprising there. 
64 to eight, the final. And because of that, they get reseeded. And now they're the number two overall seed. It's kind of interesting that the number two overall seed had to play a first round game, but that's how it is. Yeah, it is. You know, and it, that's, it's kind of, I don't know, fun to see because all these teams are going to play in that first round. And then next thing you know, the whole thing is just flipped on its ear because you don't, you don't know who to scout for. You don't know who you're playing. You don't know what you, whatever. And here we are. And I'll be danged if it's not shaping up to be just like it was last year, you know, raft river and Oakley. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I honestly, I see those two colliding in the state title game again. Yep. I, I think it's uh it, it won't be an easy path for either team. I think nope. uh, the Butte County and Prairie obviously are very, very talented. Um, but Oakley looks solid at this point. Uh, Murtaugh was playing as well. They lost to Genesee in, in kind of a shootout that, that turned into a runaway 62 to 36. Uh, talking to some people uh, on the eight man prep cast we do for eight man football. You know, it sounds like Murtaugh was maybe just a year away. They were pretty young this year and uh, are looking to take that next step in 2022. Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about that Genesee and Murtaugh game, you know, the final score 62, 36, that game was a lot closer than the score indicated because I mean, it was a one score game going into the fourth quarter and then Genesee, outscored Murtaugh 22 to nothing in that final period uh, to pull away. So, um, you know, Genesee started fast. I mean, they came out strong scoring on their first first possessions um, in three plays. I mean, they just were boom, boom, boom in the end zone. Um, and then they just kind of hit a, a wall, allowed Murtaugh to creep back in it. Um, but, yeah, going into that fourth quarter, uh, that was a, anybody's game at that, that point. And, you know, a little – funny story out of Genesee is, you know, I was talking to their coach and, and uh, you know, he's, he's really, really happy with this group of kids. I mean, they're, they're having a lot of fun, which is, which is cool. Again, part of that culture, uh, Genesee. And so they have this thing in practice at Genesee to where if anybody jumps off sides or it's a false start, then they are punished. They either do some burpees or running, they're doing pushups or doing something, whatever. Well, uh, their head coach was running the, the, the dummyo, and uh, he made the count on two, but he got so excited that he forgot the count and went on one. And so he's starting to run the play and everybody's just standing there looking at him. And uh, so the entire team made him do push-ups as they all just cheered on and watched him do it. I mean, those are the things that are kind of fun out of these, these stories that we cover. Uh, and they got a big kick out of that. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's a lot of fun for sure. You have to make it fun for the kids uh, in today's day and age. So I agree. Raft River, Oakley, I think both advance easily. Raft River will play Potlatch in their quarterfinal matchup. Uh, if we look at the bracket, that will be yep. on Friday, or excuse me, Saturday in Holt Arena at 1 p.m. That's a game we'll have for you again on IdahoSports.com. So uh, let's wrap up with the 1AD2 rank where. Well, Scott, the Sawtooth Conference apparently was as good as we thought it was because uh, of the eight teams that are competing in the quarterfinals, four of them are from the Sawtooth Conference. And the, the story statewide, I think, in the in the opening round, 5A all the way down to 1A was Camas County going to Bancroft and knocking off North Gem 42-36. to 36. What a signature win for the Mushers. Oh, wow. What a huge win for them. 42-36. to 36. I mean, they were down 20 to six at the half, you know, and, and this is where they're 
their coach goes in and just begs and pleads, stick with the plan, stick with the plan, because, you know, North Tim has got uh, a stud in, in their quarterback, Bridger Hatch. And, and so you've got to be able to stop him. And so they, they had a plan. And so halftime, they go in down 20 to six and their coach is just begging and pleading with them. Stay with the plan, boys. Stay with the plan, boys. We're going to get out there. We're going to score. And it's going to be a one score game before you even blink. And, and I'll be danged if that isn't what happened. They got out there and then they, all of a sudden they had a kind of renewed sense of, of, of life and hope again. And um, man, did they pull the upset? You know, they, they had a, some standout performances for Camus really quickly. Quarterback, um, Tyler Nihei, he kept plays alive and kind of moved in the pocket really well. Uh, their, their quarterback or running back wide receiver slash hybrid person, Marcus Staley, you know, had three touchdowns, including the go-ahead score with 31 seconds left. Um, newly added senior Brecken Clark had some key first downs and key tackles. But the heart and soul of this team for Camus uh, was senior Dawson Kramer. You know, Dawson played every down of the game. Offense, defense, special teams never came off the field. And so really kind of a, an interesting point uh, in that game was that, you know, the game was tight with just a few minutes left uh, and Dawson is exhausted and he, he can barely move. And it's fourth and a foot for Camus, you know, and Dawson is looking over to the side, giving the kill sign. He's like, I, I can't run. I can't breathe. I need 60 seconds to compose myself. Um, and they were going to give him the ball on fourth and a foot because they needed this first down. And so uh, their coach is like, okay, wait a minute, let's, let's get a measurement in, you know, and, and you can look at it and you can see they're not even close. Right. So it was like, I'm calling for a measurement. And one of the players for Camus is like, coach, it's short. He goes, shut up. We're getting a measurement. And then two other players chime in coach. We could see it. It's short. He's like, shut up. We're getting a measurement. So finally, after all of that, they got the measurement that they wanted, which also gave Dawson a, a chance to catch his breath. They went back first down, you know, uh, kind of a funny story. And, and, you know, and I love talking to these these small town coaches because they have a different game that they're playing versus everybody else. And, and this is why I love small town more than anything is, you know, um, you're standing on the sidelines and this is coming from Camus coaching staff. You know, they're, he's hearing a parent right over his shoulder saying the DN isn't crashing, you know, oh, okay, well, maybe a DN isn't crashing, you know? Um, and then if there's a helmet problem or a cramp, he's grabbing people, fans, parents. Can you help with this cramp? Can you fix this helmet? I mean, it is all hands on deck in this small community. Um, you know, and then when something happens, he's turning around slapping high fives with, with all the parents that are right there, that's small town football because they're not in these stadiums, you know, to where you're so separated, which, you know, for the most part is a good thing. You don't want this closeness that these small town schools are getting. But one of the cool things about all that tightness and everybody's just right there on the field is, is these kinds of stories. I mean, running down, slapping high fives with all the parents and all the fans and everything else like that. Hey, can you help with this helmet? Can you help with this cramp? You know, hey, go get him a water or whatever the case is. Every small town coach I talk to, they they just absolutely relish these, these type of moments and these type of stories. And there's nothing like a small town football game. 
Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun this week as they uh, get an old familiar face in the quarterfinals, Dietrich. Dietrich advanced with a 60-38 to 38 win over Council. I'm telling you, Scott, the way this is looking right now, Dietrich is playing really good football at the right time, and they've kind of flown under the radar the whole season, but they, they are right in the mix to repeat as, as 1A D2 state champs. Yeah, of course. I mean, they are the defending champs, and they piled up uh, 523 yards of offense. You know, and they and you're right. They did fly under the radar because a six and three Dietrich is not dominating Dietrich football. And so when you look at that, it just kind of says, okay, well, Dietrich's having an off year. Well, I don't know if they are. I mean, they're they're getting hot at the right time. And and when you've got a pedigree of championships like Dietrich has, getting hot at the right time, that's a scary football team heading into the playoffs. Yeah, Cody Power, 236 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, 139 yards, two scores through the air. When the season started, they had uh, Peyton Snedden at quarterback, and Cody was at running back, and they kind of made that switch halfway through the year. And you can see it's like the light the light bulb went off, and yeah, Dietrich has been almost unstoppable. They almost beat Carey two weeks ago in the regular season finale and uh, playing really well, and I, I like them to advance over Camas County. Um, but it would be fun to see the Mushers continue their run as well. But uh, either way a team from district four is going to get to the semifinals. And and I think really three of the four semifinal spots could be teams from district four. Let's talk about Kerry. Uh, you were at that game, Scott, for IdahoSports.com. Kerry uh, with the first round victory over Timberline, 54 to six. Uh, they will now host Mullen St. Regis in a very interesting quarterfinal matchup. But what'd you see from Kerry? Kerry is on a different level. I mean, I mean, number one, it's the visual that you get from Kerry. You, you look at Kerry's sidelines and they've got dudes. I mean, they've got bodies all over the place. I mean, you get into these eight man games and, and you're looking at maybe four five, six, seven guys, maybe on the sideline, you know, Kerry's got 20 on the sideline, you know, and, and it's just an imposing visual when you're another team and you walk out to an eight man team and you know, all your guys are going to be going both ways with maybe a couple of subs and you pray to God, nobody gets hurt. Kerry is just next man up. They just got guys. And, you know, aside from that, their guys are good and they score quickly. They can, they can score with a lot of different people uh, and defensively they are fast. They, they've got speed. They rally to the football um, this carry team is, is really, really fun to watch. And, and, uh, coach Kirkland's got him going in the right direction. It's it. And I I'm interested to see in the semifinal, because if it goes the way that it should Dietrich and carry again, um, and that, that could be a good one. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a fun matchup for sure? Uh, the last team we have to talk about is castle Ford. Uh, they're kind of on the other side of the bracket away from Kerry and Dietrich. They're thinking that's probably a good thing. They win 70 to nothing over water Springs. And now they're playing Rockland, uh, in castle Ford Friday night, seven o'clock. I, I like the wolves to advance to the semifinals here. Oh, absolutely. Castle Ford is, is cruising. I mean, water Springs, I mean, they were a two and seven team. It, it kind of, happened the way that it should have happened. Um, but again, it's going to be their quarterback. Eric Taylor is, is the guy in Castleford. I mean, very versatile. He can, he can run, he can throw. Um, and not many have been able to contain him. I mean, Castleford eight and one on the year. And, uh, and I don't see them having a problem with Rockland. I see them moving on and playing in the state semifinal game. 
how fitting would it be that last year Carrie and Dietrich met up for the championship? It was the first time they had played each other all year, right? Because Carrie didn't play anybody in the regular season because of COVID. Right. Uh, and now this year they will have to potentially get through Dietrich twice and Castleford twice if they want to earn the title. Yeah, I mean that shows the strength of of football in this conference and in this valley, you know. And you hit it right at the start of the segment that where it's four of these teams are right here in the Valley. This is the strength. 1AD2 football is in the Magic Valley. Yep. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch all of the quarterfinal games, and we'll have plenty to talk about next week with the semifinal round, especially in the eight-man ranks. Magic Valley, very well represented for sure. Mm -hmm. So, all right, that'll do it for this edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast uh, brought to you by the Idaho Division of Public Health. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, for Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey. Enjoy the games this weekend, and we'll see you back here next week on IdahoSports.com.